If you enjoy the LA Intergroup's Virtual Speakers Bureau podcasts, consider joining over 500 OA members for our annual OA birthday party, which will be held January 17th through 19th in Los Angeles at the LAX Four Points Hotel. There's free transportation from the airport, so ditch the cold weather and join us for a wonderful weekend of OA recovery. Visit oabirthday.com for more information. Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Medium Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 300 speaker files, links for you to subscribe to the podcast, and a place where you can donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Danielle. Hi there, everybody. I'm Danielle Compulsive Eater and Bulimic. Hi, thank you for asking me to be of service. And um, I've been in program for about 10 years now, a little over 10 years. I came in um, to my first meeting. Actually, I was out of the country, and my first meeting was after binging on my daughter's birthday cake as I was serving it, and she was turning one. And um, it was it was like a pain and despair that I hadn't known before to be simultaneously engaged in a activity that was a celebration and then a feeling like the worst I had felt and having no control and losing any self-respect or self-esteem that I had. And, um, and you know, growing up, what it was like, I um, began just binging and purging at the dinner table because it was a kind of situation where everybody would talk about, um, we'd be called on the carpet at that time. Like everybody sitting around the table and like, what was your day? Why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? And I was just, it was just overwhelming. I remember having that feeling and like just pushing my chair back and going into my room and throwing up and hiding it in the towels and doing my own laundry or vomiting in the shower. And it was just this cycle. But I had no idea what it was about. It was just, I remember feeling some sort of relief after I vomited. And, you know, throughout my life, off and on, when I was in intense situations or emotionally or um, just with any sort of relationship, I would um, find myself engaging in that cycle again. And it felt hopeless, but I I felt like, you know, like, what else was I going to do? It just felt like I was alone in the world. I was depressed most of the time. I was super educated and it was nothing there was nothing I could do about it and it was just um like kind of a sad existence that I had underneath everything and then I would um distract myself like with different activities or work or whatever it was and you know in thinking about this meeting tonight I was um looking through the big book and um it was interesting going through the literature and seeing all the stages of my story in there and um, and entering the program. And there was a um, few things that I'd like to read. And we were um, feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. And that even in this type of beginning, we are obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happened. And what always happened was that that feeling of 
you know, being out of control, they're having no hope, and also the example it gives about the jaywalker, you know, he gets the thrill out of skipping in front of a fast-moving fast moving vehicle. He enjoys himself for a few years in spite of friendly warnings, and up to this point you would label him as a foolish chap having queer ideas of fun, and Black then deserts him, and he is slightly injured several times in succession, and it goes on and on, and and in this part, however intelligent we may have been in other respects, where alcohol, and in my case, food, has been involved, we have been strangely insane. It's strong language, but isn't it true? And this is so true for me and my experience. I um, was just that feeling of despair, the jumping off point, the, the old pleasures were gone. This is on page 151 of the big book. They were but memories. They never could, could we recapture the great moments of the past. There was an insistent yearning to enjoy life, as we once did, in a heartbreaking obsession that some new miracle of control would enable us to do it. There was always one more attempt and one more failure. And this is what was going on for me. It was one more attempt, one more failure, and there was nothing I could do about it. At the point, I was out of the country and living... Um, in a strange city. It was raining every day, and I had two kids, and I just felt so alone. And I finally got to my first meeting by talking to my therapist on the phone. And um, she said, you know, you got to go to those meetings. Because I would say to her, you know, you've got behavior that I did when I was younger, or I was training whatever I was doing. I'm thinking that I want to do that again. I'm thinking that I don't understand why I just ate you know, this whole pan of brownies, or I don't know why I just feel like I want to vomit. And then I started vomiting again with my kids in the other room, and it was just, you know, for me at that point, it was as bad as I thought it could get. And I thought, I um, I can't do it. I can't do this life. I can't handle these kids. I feel bad for them because I'm their mother, like, you know, I swore to myself I was never going to have kids, and here I was, like, in the situation where I felt like there was no way to live a life where I could take care of these amazing individuals and myself and have any sense of joy at all. And once I went to my first meeting and I heard, um, welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, welcome home. I just burst into tears, and I realized I was at a place that people understood how I thought. They understood um, the lack of control that I had. They understood that there was also a solution. There was hope for it. And when I think about sharing that, like my experience, strength, and hope, the and what happened, what it was like, and what it's like now, it was all of you and all of you being here that keep me connected to a higher power. You know, after being in program for 10 years, um, I've experienced so many ups and downs and with my emotional life and with um, even with physical. You know, I had an injury about two years ago that just took me out, and then I had about three or four surgeries after that, and it was really, like, earth-shattering. And the people who 
called me and who I talked to the most were all of you. You know, in this room, in this program, you called me to see how I was doing. You helped me in with my crutches, you know, and um, and I experienced so much kindness, even though I felt, like, broken again in a different way. And it got me to this, like, other stage of surrender. And what brings me back over and over again to these rooms is that it, it really works for me. And going through the steps with my sponsor and then with my second sponsor again, <laughs> um, the steps are where I find the relief. It was so different from any other experience I had with um, a spiritual life because there's there's this like there's this book there's the uh, the um, twelve steps twelve traditions there's this whole outline of what I have to do. It's not like I'm just um, listening to somebody lecture about you know that they have an amazing experience they have a wonderful life and I like. I can be a student. Like, I can listen to what my sponsor says and do it. Like, that is something I do have control over. You know, I can pray for the willingness to want to do that, but I don't need willingness to do it. I just have to do it, you know? And it reminds me of some of the things that I've learned in here that I say to my kids, like, um, you know, when they don't want to brush their teeth or anything like that. It's just, like, you don't have to want to do it. You just have to do it, you know? Like, it's such a, <laughs> it's such a difference. Um, so it's a different way of looking at things for me. You know, there doesn't have to be a whole story about anything I have to do. I just have to do it. And the more I do those things that I think I don't want to do, and, you know, when I think about making outreach calls, too, in the beginning, and even now sometimes I have that experience like, well, I never called anybody and regretted it, you know? So, like, I'll just go ahead and make that call and see what happens. Um, <laughs> it's so, like, amazing and lovely to have um, so much in my life before program be so obviously different after being in program, like seeing that, you know, 10 years later, I stay because my life is better with this program. My life is better with this literature. I'm much kinder, um, I'm sweeter, I have fun, you know, it's like it's not all about work and accomplishing tasks in my life. Um, there's something I was, let's see if I can find this in the big book too that I was reading about, um, this, um, you know, in the beginning it was like someday you will be un unable to manage life either with alcohol or without it, my substance is food or vomiting or any compulsion or obsession I have about my weight, then you will know loneliness, such as if you do, who will be at the jumping off place, who will wish for the end. You know, to go from that to, um, oh, and um, also I was reading in Dr. Bob's Nightmare, and it's on page 172, he said, in his experience with religion, he said, this had the effect of making me resolve that when I was free from parental domination, I would never again darken the doors of a church. <laughs> I, I was, that was so, I was there. I was like, and, and what was amazing, as I was reviewing this earlier and thinking about my life and program, like, I, this was me, you know? Like, that's why 
I can keep coming back here because I find my story and all these stories, of, you know, at the, the back of the big book, too. And um, it's, um, and the, you know, again, absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. Like, I could not stop eating, overeating, restricting to punish myself after that, or in the whole balancing act of, like, what's in, what's out, um, and trying to keep it in check to keep control. It was, it was, sometimes it felt like it was about weight, but it was also about, like, proving to myself that I can do this, you know? Like, I've done all these other things, why can't I just do this? And, um, and there I am, like, at step one. You know, lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. Obviously, but where and how were we to find this power? Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main objective is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. And then we get to, and it says this, I just love it, and it means, of course, that we are going to talk about God. Like, this is, we agnostic. <laughs> but that is so brilliant. How did they know that I was going to go, whatever? You know, like, how did they know that? And, um... And then I get to page 47, when therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies, too, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Well, you know, there's, that's the way. You know, it doesn't have to be how anybody else believes in God. It just has to be whatever my experience or willingness to believe in something greater than myself. And... That was like, like that was a huge sigh for me. Anything I had experienced with religion before this program had really been about not going to hell, you know, and um, and and that was it. So my prayers were about praying for people who I thought were going to go to hell, and so that they would, you know, not, and then <laughs> and, um, and and me, and you know, and it, it wasn't about just doing things for the right reason or for God's will or something, you know, greater than myself. It was just about protection. I had a friend, I remember she called it fire insurance. You just believe for fire insurance. And I was like, <laughs> you know, okay. But um, So this we discovered we did not need to consider another conception of God, our own conception, however inadequate was sufficient to make the approach and to affect a contact with him. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. This gets me every time, you know, to be able to... Um, have a belief in a power greater than myself that is kind and, and loving and cares about my food problem and then cares about all the other problems I have, which is why I have this food problem, you know. Um, I always thought there wasn't room for me in God's world. It had to be for people who were you know, homeless, or it had to be for something that seems, like, more important than what was going on in my life. And this is, like, there's 
God is bigger than me. God is bigger than my conception of what he is. And I would say for those who are new or who are struggling with this idea, like it was, for me, it was just this experience of, um, okay, let's see how it goes. You know, act as if. Like, act as if this idea of God or whatever it is will actually make a difference. And I remember in one of my first meetings, you know, people like just chit-chatting and talking to me, so happy, and I was so irritated. And I <laughs> and I was saying, um, okay, 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 everybody, you know, like in my mind. I'm like, but no, how do you believe? How do you, how does this help you? How does God, like, get there, get inside of me, get in my mind, and tell me not to eat more than I need, or tell me, you know, that take a look at something else that's going on in my life, that's why I'm eating to forget about it, you know? Um, how does that happen? Oh, oh, you know, oh, Jesus, like, Danielle, like, patting me on the head, kind of, see, I felt like, I was just so irritated, still, like, and, you know, just act as if it'll work, act as if it'll make a difference. And I was like, really? Really? And, and really, they're all like, they're just, like, bouncing out of the meeting and, like, so happy. <laughs> and it just wasn't, it wasn't, like, believable, but I knew, like, I was there with the step one, like, I can't do this. Like, I got, I was getting that. Like, I am powerless over this thing. And I was, and just to console myself and my ego, I would say, okay, it's just this one thing that I don't have control over. <laughs> my kids were little then. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I still thought I had something to say that was meaningful to them. <laughs> but, um... They, you know, we found that God does not make too hard a terms with those who seek him. Like, it wasn't, you know. And in the steps, I remember they the part about taking it a little bit at a time, taking it piecemeal, and, and that can work too. So I needed to ask myself or ourselves the one short question, do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? That act of this got me through this. And... A part of my story, too, is, like, the, in the beginning, my higher powers have shared it before. But it's so a part of how I came to believe that there was a power greater than myself. I went through a series of superheroes. You know, I started um, with Peter Pan, who was not a superhero, but in my mind was going to allow me to be a kid, you know? Like, my whole life was just business and accomplishing tasks. And so I said, okay, it'll be Peter Pan. And then it'll be... Um, Spider-Man, and then it just, <laughs> and it worked, <laughs> you know, I could pray to Spider-Man and, like, ask for, like, you know, help from his spidey senses of what I need to do next, and it, like, and it, it helps, you know, like, um, it helps with, like, the communication with people who I'm um, having a struggle with to what I'm going to eat to... Um, feeling bad about something that happened, uh, all those, all those different um, interactions or in my mind struggles, they were relieved with having somebody else to call on other than myself. And um, yeah, Spider-Man was great, you know. <laughs> and then 
that I got nervous about was that, well, my higher power, like, I'm not connecting the same way. And as in program for this time, is it okay for it to change? And, like, that's where the guidance of a sponsor, somebody who has what I want, like, is so useful and was so part of this life-changing, wonderful path for me. Wonderful but not always easy path. And the um, my sponsor just said, well, yeah, your higher power can change. And it's like, that's all I needed to hear, you know, like, okay, you know, <laughs> and act as if or see how you connect. And for months and months, it was all of you guys, you know, like all your stories, everything you share, I connect to my higher power through you. And it's so meaningful. Like anybody, people like I don't know, you know, it's just seeing your faces and having you here is, you know, <laughs> It's like that little Grinch heart that I used to have just grows bigger and bigger. <laughs> and um, it's like it's, it's bewildering and wonderful and um, miraculous to me to be living the life that I'm living now where I can, you know, have interactions that are stressful and not always have to lose my pool, you know, not always. You know, of course, sometimes I do, and boy, those kids of mine, like, they push my buttons, but they are also, like, I can string these moments of joy together where that becomes, like, the dominant part of my life, not just the... That, you know, like doing all the tasks. It was such a, like, a, a reaching this goal, reaching the next goal, and and then my life will be more fulfilled or will feel better. And it just, I remember when I was, like, at, you know, another, like, turning point in, in my career, and I thought, wait, this is, this was supposed to be, like, it. This was supposed to be really great. And, and it wasn't. And, and that was, like, just around the time before I got into program. And I remember feeling like I was getting lost, you know, like I wasn't going to um, be able to continue with life. It felt like that hopeless to me. And and then these, you know, brilliant people had these programs, and I was able to benefit, you know, and, and just... My sponsor would say to me, and in the beginning, the sponsor I had made me just like step one and two over and over again, and I was like, really? And she and she just said, all you need to be is open, honest, and willing. And I realized that I wanted the fix, like I just wanted to be rid of my problem, but I wasn't like surrendering like my heart, like that that part of it. There was still so much that I was holding on to, and. Um, I would say that the answer for me was doing the step work and staying in it, not stalling out in it, um, and going through all of them. I've been through all of them again, but staying in the work of, like, 10, 11, and 12 and um, and committing to that and having, like, it, it even got down to, like, why am I feeling bad, like, this day? It's like, oh, when's the last time I picked some literature up? And by just even making a note card for myself at my bedside table to do 10, you know, think of 10, 11, and 12, write it out and turn it over. Um, what have I done to be of service? 
service has been key, and um, my connection to long-term recovery and really um, trying to show up for um, newcomers and um, making those outreach calls that are that seem so impossible to make at the time but are so great after I make them. I um, no longer really talk about the, the hideous four horsemen in the beginning of the chapter 11 with a vision for you. Terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair. Like, unhappy drinkers who read this will understand. <laughs> like, I understood this. Like, those... And again, it was like, how do they know that's how I feel? Like, this is the right place for me. And I am... Um, it was... See, it was this... Um, part about being a service and um, showing up for um, events and activities and things that I don't want to do because I realize that I really don't want to do anything most of the time and and now that I know that through this program I can work through it it's like okay this is where I start off like I don't want to like really it seems like almost anything <laughs> and um and I used to think it was just because I'm, like, so finely tuned and that's just the way I am and, you know, I'm so erudite or whatever it is. And it's really, it's this it's fear, it's terror, it's bewilderment, it's frustration, it's despair. And now I can, God, I love my sponsor. Now I can talk to her about that stuff. Oh, no, this is something you have to do. Really? You know, okay. <laughs> and I can trust her, and I can see my higher power work through her. And I can um, I can also um, find the line of when I'm pleasing or when I'm doing too much because I just want approval. You know, it's, it's only through that guidance that I get with the step work and service and talking to my sponsor, checking in that I that I start to learn those things in life. And it says um, here, Dr. Bob's Nightmare, I spend a great deal of time passing on what I learned to do, what I learned to others who want it and need it badly. I do it for four reasons. One, sense of duty. Two, it is a pleasure. Three, because in doing so, I am paying my debt to the man who took time to pass it on to me. I think of this so much, and I think of those women in the meeting in the beginning when I was so annoyed all the time and asking them, but how do you do it? How do you, you know, like, and they just so graciously and happily answered me, like, how to do it, you know, and, and got me into the steps right away and told me what to read and told me to underline what stood out to me and told me to read it to them and, um, and, to, and to keep doing it and to not just do it, feel a little bit better and then let it slide, to keep in that process. Because, like, I want to change my life. I don't want to just change this, This, you know, it, it, it's, it's one day at a time, but it's one day at a time that I love to have, the ex, have this experience grow and see how that my life coming together has answers and hope and lots of love. And number four, Dr. Bob said, because every time I do it, I take out a little more insurance for myself against a possible slip. You know, um, I don't want to go back to vomiting in 
my closet and hiding it or in my shower or um, binging so I feel so full and ashamed. And um, I want to live a life that has answers for what I I need to do, you know, seeking God's will, taking the next right action, believing this power greater than myself can do it, and um, just having to be willing to believe it, not having to believe in anybody else's God. Like, all these things coming together give me that life beyond my wildest dreams, even when there's days when I don't appreciate it. Um, being a service, like coming here tonight, like that gets into perspective for me again, and I'm grateful. I'm really grateful, and I'm so thankful that you're all here, and thanks for letting me be a service. Hi. Yeah, the question is, um, uh, let me know if I have this correct, too, is my life in parenting before OA compared to after OA? Is that the... And, um, yeah, and how the difference in my parenting as a result. It's, um, you know, besides the fact that I didn't want my children anymore before OA, <laughs> and I, I didn't want to give them to their father because I thought he would be just as bad, and I wanted to, like, find a nice family somewhere else. Nobody in my family. Um, because I thought that that would just be the same cycle again. <laughs> so... And, like, those were my thoughts, you know. So, and going along with that was my frustration of how to, of just being a parent and feeling like I um, made a mistake. And so then coming out in my interactions with them and my parenting, it, it was just um, getting up, feeding them, you know, and, and expecting things that if I did those things that everything would be fine, you know, like that they wouldn't have their own personalities or things to say about stuff. And um, so, you know, before it was, I was angry a lot and I raised my voice a lot before program. And, and after, you know, and as they got a little bit older, if I was having like a crappy day or something, they would say, um, are you going to go to your nice mommy meeting? Because <laughs> that's, that's what they call them. And that's just, uh, you know. And <laughs> yeah, they're pretty amazing. And now, you know, I have, I have kids who share with me about their feelings. They, um, they tell me a lot of things. I know they, they probably don't tell me everything, you know, but they tell me, a lot that I'm happy that they're okay to talk about and I can listen much better than I was ever able to listen to anything before. You know, I can listen without reacting. You know, like, oh my God, you did what? You know, like, I saw a picture, my son, his class photo came back and you can see, like, his middle finger, like, on the, in the photo and I just wanted to go, God damn it, why would you do something like that? That's permanent, you know? Like, I was like, what are you fucking thinking? Is what I wanted to say. I said, wow, wow, were you having a hard day? You know? <laughs> and, you know, he's a 13 and a half year old boy, and just, you know, 
he and his friends thought it was so funny, you know, like, they, <laughs> and I'm the mom, and I cannot think it's funny, but I also don't have to shame him for it, you know, and, um, and, and also part of his story is anxiety and depression and a lot of that, and being in program has really, you've all supported me through those really hard times with him, um, and feelings like, you know, in second grade, He's in eighth now, but in second grade, like he he thought, why am I, why do I why am I living? I just want to die, you know. And it was just heartbreaking. And it was just this program that lifted me up, you know. Like it was, you know. It, so yeah, I I can't imagine parenting without this program. It's such a gift, you know. It's like the bigger picture of why I have this disease that it helps me in all these other areas. Thanks. My higher power now takes different forms, different days. I would say I I feel that connection the strongest, like through the literature. Like I feel the you know, our ancestors of the literature and um hearing your stories in the in the rooms and how the program works in your lives is how I feel that connection to God. And um and I'm also much more tolerant of other people's gods. <laughs> and, you know, if it, it didn't work for me growing up, but um, I know it even says that in the big book, we'll, like, find that we it doesn't bother us as much, you know. <laughs> and it doesn't, you know. I'm, I see, the like, more of the, the truth in that. And, um, yeah, my higher power is really connecting through you guys and your stories and how you find strength and hope every day. Do I share God with my children? Um, I do. I talk about God I and I respect their struggle with whatever their understanding is. Although it's so hard, you know. <laughs> um I want to protect them from everything, and I want them to believe in something bigger, especially when it's things that they realize that I can't control. Um, but I, like, what I can do is, like, follow to the best of my ability in, you know, through my higher power. I can, like, follow the principles of the program. And the traditions help me a lot. The, the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions help me a lot with, um, my kids and communicating what a higher power can be, what God can be. Hey. Hey, Danielle, thank you so much. Um, when your body of person returns, then it feels like it's out of the blue. Yeah. Um, what do you do to help it? I talk to my sponsor about it, and I start, because it does, like it's, it's like an up and down experience for me, and I... I talk to her about, like, what my obsessions are and, you know, all my dreams of whatever plastic surgery or body makeover that I want. You know, like, that happens, you know? And when I, um, and then so I just tell her, and she usually laughs really loudly. And, and, and then, she, you know, and then so, like, what else is going on, you know? And it's just, usually I can get to it and I'm willing to get to what else is going on in my life that's bringing it up. But it's, um, you know, my experience with any weight loss or, um, 
more fitness or anything like that in program has always been working the steps and then having it take care of itself. You know, it really has. Like when I get down to it <clears throat> and the obsession, and that was one of those things I had to act as if about the body obsession when that returns. I have to act as if I love my body for today. I have to act as if I don't have to check my reflection in every reflective surface that I see. You know? <laughs> I know, not just a mirror, guys. You know? It's like anything, you know? <laughs> you know, like that whole nervousness. And, and I can check in with my higher power. Okay, what am I supposed to do next? You know, it's sort of like flashing water on my face and um, going, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, like I'm, this is what I actually need to be doing, not thinking of this. Because for me, it's, a, it's a, like a coping mechanism to obsess about body parts because it's that false idea that I have some control over it returning. And then, you know, it's like sometimes on my knees, sometimes not, but it's the first three steps talking to my sponsor and staying connected. Because if I don't stay in touch with her or um, with meetings and getting grounded that way, then... I can obsess about a lot of things, and and usually it is my body. Like, that's where it'll go, you know. If I was just like this, you know, if I was just, you know, I don't want to be fat and happy, I might as, or fat and miserable, and I don't want to be fat and happy, but if I might as well be thin and miserable, you know. Like, that is what, that's what we're like my mottos, you know. <laughs> it has this, like, life in that little, like, ball of misery, and... I see that when I when I do that step work and stay connected with her and show up for meetings and, and I'm of service and I get out of myself and that's what she emphasizes a lot is being more of a service of service and the obsession it um, lessens and it starts to subside and feels um you know and that's also like if if I if I lose weight or if I get more motivated to take my care of myself in a different way like even if it's um, going to bed earlier you know it's <laughs> It's, it's the step work that helps me do that. You know, like doing the work over here and then having, you know, like it's a sideways kind of approach that I always see giving me relief. Okay. Thank you.